It is no coincidence that our present troubles parallel and are proportionate to the intervention and intrusion in our lives that result from unnecessary and excessive growth of government. So uh, thanks, Richard Marlin, for having me back on. We're kicking off 2016 with a fresh new show. Uh, you're going to hear a lot more of me. i got a little bit more time on my schedule. Rich and I have talked about some things. We're going to get this thing kicked off. So all you guys have heard about what's going on in Oregon right now. It started off in Montana with the Clive and Bundy thing. Um, <clears throat> some local militia has taken over a federal building. and um, Now the feds are all pissed off because... You know, they don't have any control, and they're, they're starting to, to lose lose power in the region. And, you know, <clears throat> someone once said, a very smart man, that's why he's on the $100 bill, democracy is two wolves and a lamb voting for what to have for lunch. Liberty is a well-armed lamb contesting the vote. And that is what's happening here, is we've been pushed around enough. We've been kicked in the dirt. We've been turned upside down by this over-intrusive government that now occupies nearly 50% of all jobs in America, our government jobs, which you can't, it's not sustainable. But the problem is, is you have regulators upon regulators, and we've become a country of rulers of laws rather than leaders of men. There's no leadership in Washington. So what has happened here, and this is just a small fraction of what it, what I believe is coming, ladies and gentlemen. This guy, uh, Eamon or Amon Bundy, he's the son of Clive and Bundy. Now, <clears throat> Bundy claims that the federal government is continuing to expand um, you know, the, the national refugee park lands at the expense of the ranchers and the miners. Now, there's a militia out there, and, you know, to be honest, I don't know much about it, but from what I see so far, good on them. The Citizens for Constitutional Freedom. Now, these people, they uh, <clears throat> have taken over a federal building in response to this drastic overplay of, of what's going on with the, with the Bundy incident. Now, this is in Oregon. So let's rewind a little bit about it. Uh, there's a, they're protesting the five-year sentencing of Dwight and Stephen Hammond, who uh, were the convicted of arson. Now, in 2001, they started a fire on their ranch. Now, out in that area... Um, burning is a well-known way that a lot of people use, and nature does it too, to cut back down and, and start fresh, uh, you know, and, and stop any invasive species, but also allow the ground to re-propagate without all the mix-mash species and everything. And, and lots of people do it, you know, a couple times, a, a decade, maybe once a year, things like that. So this is not an uncommon practice. Now, what happened was, whether it be wind or dry, dry scenario, Fire got a little out of hand and it extended slightly into the federal lands. Now, this is not necessarily their fault. Could they control it? Maybe, maybe not. But I mean, like, look, there's a process for this. You know, they 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 didn't do it intentionally. So they're being charged with arson. They're supposed to get five years in prison. Now, the protesters, the these uh, citizens for constitutional freedom, claim that this is actually a punishment for the uh, the Hammonds' refusal to sell their lands. Now, there's there's been a massive push in the region for um, governments buying up the land and things like that. Who knows why? I mean, the blue-spotted frog population is endangered and some green beanie somewhere doesn't, doesn't like the idea of somebody's cattle pooping on it. Whatever. So this all, going back, um, 
has has recently blown out of proportion, but this has been going on for decades. So, uh, and it all it all started. This is a, a pattern that we saw since um, since the Clive and Bundy Ranch in Montana, <clears throat> which uh, every, everybody knows about, where the BLM showed up with snipers and uh, you know all terrain vehicles and and armed people. And they were essentially run out of there by the little guy, which is great. And I, I think that the BLM backed down. Now, so what happened with there is um, the, back going back a long time, these people have just been, you know, 150 years go back. These people have been grazing on this land. They've been using this land. They've been – that's their livelihood. That's how they raise their livestock is they go out there and they – graze on this, you know, once public land. So since then, the federal government swoops in, decides that, hey, we're going to take control of all this land. And now these people are left with, you know, left with a choice. So um, the, the 90% of the land in this county is owned by the BLM, which is managed by the Department of Interior, all major big government agencies. Now, does the does the government have the right to take this this level of land? I mean, I don't know. So, and the crazy thing is, is uh, Dwight and Stephen Hammond, they they already served a sentence, but they uh, a judge ruled that they must return to prison because their sentence was too short. So, I mean, this I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but I mean, it sounds like almost like a double jeopardy thing that they can be reconvicted of the same crime afterwards. <clears throat> doesn't make any sense to me. So, in in response to this, and now they've said, hey, look, you know, we, we're not encouraging this militia, we're not trying to push any violence or anything like that, but the militia has taken over this federal building, and they're calling it, like, the, the Freedom Center or something like that, and, and, you know, the FBI is sending people on everywhere. They're taking their distance, but the, the guy said in an interview that... Um, they're not looking for a fight, but if the government brings a fight, they'll respond. So, and they will use violence. They're willing to do that. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is this is coming. This this is not the first time this has happened either. So, what is you know, uh, this guy uh, Ryan Payne? He's a he's an army veteran, and he's he's kind of calling it the liberation of public lands. People have talked about returning the land to the people for a long time. Finally, someone's making an effort in that direction is what he said. So he, he, I mean, he is essentially a freedom fighter. He's actually going the extra mile and putting his ass, you know, putting his ass on the line saying enough is enough. Now let's go back to 1946 post-World War II. This is a, a big thing that many people have never heard of. And I had never heard of it until we, I started digging into this with my producer, which is the battle of Athens. Now there were two groups. There was a bunch of good guys and there was a bunch of bad guys. The good guys were the townsfolk. They had been going to the ballots and voting legitimately. And what was happening is Group 2, under uh, who was at the time was uh, Sheriff Paul Cantrell with his deputy, Pat Mansfield. Finally, they've been doing this for three election cycles. Finally, uh, at that point, um, Paul Cantrell decided he was going to run for state senate and wanted a shoe in. And then... Uh, 
Pat Mansfield was upgrading to sheriff. So they would they went in and they were guilty of voter intimidation, uh, cooking the books and everything like that. They went in to take the ballot boxes and a couple World War II veterans who had just come back from the war said, all right, enough's enough. Like, no, we're challenging this. They take the ballot boxes. They go back to the police headquarters. Now, the World War II guys went out. They got armed, well-armed, a well-armed militia, came back. They blew the door in on the on the headquarters and regathered the ballot boxes. And sure enough, they counted them, and it was in favor of them. Now, um, what's the the... The best part about this is this was the little guy. The World War II vets had come back and said, enough's enough. Now, prior to this, the uh, the townsfolk who had been subject to the voter intimidation and the, the fraudulent voting ballots and things like that, they had said uh, they'd su- submitted multiple complaints to the federal government about voter fraud. And these suits were never heard. They were never responded to. They were never looked at. They were never revisited. And that's that's when they had enough. So when this happened, though, charges were never filed on the veterans. It was an overthrow of the government, a corrupt government, which ironically is much like our uh, Declaration of Independence and how we were born as a country is from the same thing. A tyrannical government operating as ever they see fit, not wanting to live by any rules or, or pay any respects to the citizens. This happened in 1946, folks. We are seeing the beginning of this all over again. This was the uh, Athens. It was in Athens, Tennessee. So um, there was there was actually a movie made about it called An American Story. I, it, it was a uh, 19, you know, 1992. So it's a little ways back. But if you go on YouTube and look up the Battle of Athens, which I encourage you to do, you can see the history of this. Now, folks, people don't want you to see this, and that's why you'll hear it here on Renegade Talk because. I don't really care if I offend anybody, but people don't want you to see this because this shows that it can happen and it can have positive results. That's what we're coming to. There's not a, 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 a another force like it's it's not it's not oh someone else is going to do it. It's our time now, folks. Now I don't advocate for violence. I don't advocate for overthrowing the government. What I do advocate though is standing up for what is yours and. One of the things we're going to talk about it, that is yours is your guns. Now, this is why this is so important, because the Second Amendment is a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state to write the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And it was written and it was put in for reasons such as uh, the Battle of Athens, to give the people power to rise up against a tyrannical government. Notice how nobody was prosecuted. That is the point. Now, look, guns are a last resort. I don't encourage violence. I don't like it unless it has to be done. But if you take my rights, you better be sure that violence will follow. So what's going on now is the beginning of another push. And again, there's two sides to this. There's the people like myself who are the U.S. citizens, the pro-Second Amendment groups, NRA, my group, the Citizen League, which if you haven't seen it, go to thecitizenleague.com and check it out. Uh, we are pending our nonprofit, and we're uh, gun advocacy group through education. Um, and then the other group, my favorite guy, President Obama, uh, met with at 2 p.m. today, Monday, January 4th, met with Loretta Lynch to see what type of executive action he could put forward. 
He, he wants to see how far he can push this envelope through elect, uh, executive action because Congress will not do it. And the reason Congress won't do it is because they don't believe in the people, we the people who have elected them there, have not elected them there to enact more gun control. So, and this includes, you know, every town USA, Moms Demand Action, Michael Bloomberg, and Cuomo is totally on board with this stuff. So it, there's a clear line drawn between the two groups. Pro and against. Um, now, he had, President Obama has less than a year left in his legitimate office. So at this point, with thank God we we're counting down the days. Um, he is just going to go ahead and fire, shoot from the hip, see what he can get away with, and if it gets overturned, just gets overturned. He really doesn't care. He's not looking for a legacy. He's not trying to get reelected. He's definitely not campaigning for Hillary yet. Uh, even though Hillary's husband, which is a whole another ball game, is getting into it. Um, we, he's, he's going to do everything he can. And the fact of the matter is he's going to do this stuff. It'll get put into action. And we, the people, you and I are going to have to deal with this stuff that he's, uh, that he's doing until it's disproven, which quite frankly is nonsense. And I advocate anybody that, uh, feels that their rights are being infringed, uh, or guns confiscated or whatever to not obey any order that would infringe on your right to keep and bear arms. But some of the things that he's proposing now, I don't necessarily disagree with. Take, he wants background checks for everybody, okay? He wants background checks for everyone who buys a gun, the so-called gun show loophole. Now, he can sell it as 40% of guns right now is what he's saying. 40% of guns are not um, purchased with a background check. This is just not true. There is such a small sliver, it's under 10% of people who are buying guns without background checks. And this includes people buying them for their spouse, a father handing down a, a rifle to his son. I mean, this is the type of stuff that 99% of non-background checked gun transfers happen, you know. And you're going to have some bad apple somewhere. But, we, you know, tragedy is the price of liberty. And the more you limit liberty, not necessarily the more you're going to limit tragedy. So, um Excuse me. Uh, he can't do some of the things he's doing because they're in effect changing laws. But he's going to try it anyway. Look, folks, I don't disagree with background checks. I think that, look, you want to know exactly who's buying that gun. That's fair. But if President Obama is so concerned about who's buying the guns because he's going to enact these background checks, voting is, is an equal right to guns. So why is he so concerned? Not you know, not concerned about voter ID. You can do just as much damage with a vote as you can with a gun. Maybe not immediately, but over time. And if you have stupid people owning guns, they can do stupid things. If you have stupid people voting, they'll vote for stupid people like Obama. So some of his executive action will require um, all these background checks at gun shows. Uh, and also, it'll allow the ATF to step in and be and scrutinize much more. Now, the let's say I want to pass a gun to my daughter. Now, I have to take that gun to a gun store or a Class Three FFL and transfer it to her. She has to pass the background check. Okay, not a horrible thing. But then again, it's it's not how things were intended to be under the Second Amendment. And what this is, is this is about the government, it just can't control something. Government is losing track of the guns. 
Sound familiar? Eric Holder? Fast and Furious? Government sold guns to the Mexican drug cartel and then lost accountability for it, and it resulted in an American border agent getting killed. This is the same government that is telling us that we can't pass guns on to our children. Okay? And what the irony here, the biggest irony of this whole thing is Barack Obama has been a contributor to selling more guns than any president in the history, in the history of the United States. It's unfathomable how many guns he's actually sold. And some of the things that, uh, one of the biggest impact segments that we've seen in his ability to sell guns was after Sandy Hook. On that day alone, the day after Sandy Hook, we sold, uh, there were almost nine, there were almost a million background checks, 953,613 background checks on the day after Sandy Hook. Folks, uh, if you want to take guns off the streets, stop telling people you're going to ban them. People, the more you say that you're going to ban them, people are going to run to the stores, buy as many as they can. And you know what? That's going to sell more guns. And there are going to be more guns on the streets. So if he is really looking to take the hands out of the good law-abiding citizens such as you and me, then he's doing a great job, um, you know, putting them back on the streets. Because I know, I, I'm, I mean, I'm damn sure that I keep buying them. I'm going to buy as many as I can until they don't let me anymore. Look, we can go back to this, but looking back, look when Bush uh, was president. He was, you know, obviously he took he took a header right at uh, the beginning of 9-11. And, you know, he was doing roughly 10 million background checks a year throughout the course of his presidency. Now, when Obama won... That immediately shot up. And now you're looking at the 15 million mark. Okay? And 2012, his second election, when it was re-elected, it jumped up another uh, five, uh, 5 million background checks a year. It jumped up to uh, 20 million. And now it's almost at, at, at uh, 25 million background checks a year because people are scared. People are scared you're going to take them away and they want to have them now. So good job for the president who has said that he's going to get guns off the streets, just like he did in Chicago, right? No. Folks, when we come back, we're going to talk about a couple more things that are pressing in the issues, but right now I want to take a quick break, get to it. We'll be back in a minute. Thanks so much for listening. When common sense needs some backup. Carl Higby on RenegadeTalkRadio.com. Tired of everything being sugar-coated? Stick around for more Carl Higby on RenegadeTalkRadio.com. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message. The politicians can pretend it's something else, but Donald Trump calls it radical Islamic terrorism. That's why he's calling for a temporary shutdown of Muslims entering the United States until we can figure out what's going on. He'll quickly cut the head off ISIS and take their oil. And he'll stop illegal immigration by building a wall on our southern border that Mexico will pay for. We will make America great again. 381 days, folks. Welcome back to RenegadeTalkRadio.com. I'm Carl Higby. Thanks, Richard Marla. 381 days until Trump takes office. That's my prediction. Uh, I think he is the only one in this race with the balls, with the power, with the uh, organization and know-how 
to get in this office and fix this country, make it great again. Because, look, folks, ladies and gentlemen, he has, Donald Trump has been negotiating and winning and building a positive business model for years. I mean, decades, 30, 40 years. I mean, look, this is the guy right now that he has billions of dollars, billions of dollars of earned media value. Okay, it would cost billions of dollars to buy the amount of media coverage that he is getting. And he's no dummy. He's not doing it because he's stupid. He's not doing it because he's inexperienced and doesn't know. These are calculated moves. If you think for one second him and his staff don't know what they're doing, I know his staff. They are good people. They are the best in the business. They are very intelligent. And they are doing this for a reason. So all the people are saying that he's a loose cannon. He is not a loose cannon. He is very calculated in everything he does. He is right now buying his first ad that was his first ad that you just heard and this is he's 40 million dollars under budget in iowa and new hampshire under budget that's the guy i want running my country my economy is the guy who's under budget you got all these other guys like carson and and uh, jeb and things like that they're way over budget they're blowing through money they're firing staff members they're not doing what they're doing. jeb's down like three percent he's not even he doesn't even exist anymore he's a noodle but, I mean, he's Trump right now is vowing to spend $2 million a week. His ads are hitting the table, and it is going to be devastating. Cruz has a great ground game. He's been doing this for a while. He's been dumping money into Iowa. And he's some polls say he's winning. Some polls say Donald's winning. So we'll see. I mean, polls don't mean much to me until they actually get going. But, look, he's talking about the things that you and I care about. He's not out there BSing people saying, oh, you know, well, this is what needs to be, and here's my 17-point plan on the economy. No, he's going out there, he's saying, look, what's threatening America right now? Radical Muslims. So you know what? I can't pick out radicals versus regular Muslims, so we're just going to say, for the safety of all Americans, if we suspect you're Muslim at all, we're going to put a pause. He's not saying he's going to bar you from migrating to the United States, and if you're an American citizen, sure, you can come back if you leave. Except if you go to, like, Syria or something like that. I think he, he would probably put a stop to that. But the issue is he's doing this in the interest of America. Now, this has been done many times before in history. Okay, stopping a, a, a group, a designated group, and this one's designated by religion, from saying you cannot come back to the United States or you cannot come to the United States. And the reason is is because Donald Trump is the only one out there that's willing to put Americans first. Everyone else is saying, "Oh, you know, hearts and minds, and this is not the way to, you know, help the American, you know, help the American view overseas." Who cares? Right now, I want to keep Americans safe, and that's why I stand with Donald, because we can't sit here and play this politically correct BS game anymore, folks. If we do that, we're going to have more terrorist attacks. Even France now, France is like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! We got to stop this migration thing." This Syrian refugee crisis is not a crisis. I wrote an op-ed in the uh, Greenwich Sentinel. It's up on my Facebook page. You can take a look at it. Um, and I said, you know, Islam is not a... I mean, Islam is a political ideology. It's not a, you know, <laughs> a religion as, as we see religions. It's a political ideology. Okay, and the sooner the West realizes that, 
the sooner we can start fighting this war at, you know, effectively. But right now, we're, these people are hiding behind their what they're saying is a religion. And Donald Trump is the only one who's got the, the sack to go out there and say, no, enough's enough. You're not coming to the country. I'm stopping this right now until we can figure it out. What's wrong with that? You know, he wants to build a wall. Dude, this guy has built tons of skyscrapers. He's done it all under budget. Believe me, he's going to build that wall. And you know what? Mexico, while they might not stroke a check for it, they're going to pay for it in trade. They're going to pay for it in economic uh, sanctions. They're going to pay for it in some way, shape, or form. Because this is the guy who never fails to get it done. So I'm still confused as to why anybody wouldn't want that. Just I just don't understand. So it's it's one of those things that Americans need to realize. Now the threat the threat of ISIS, which is one thing that Trump really wants to obviously combat, is a real threat. I mean, folks, you have 1.6 to two billion, you know, somewhere between 1.6 and two billion Muslims. In the world today, now by conservative estimates, they say eight to twelve percent of those are radicalized. That is a hundred and sixty to two hundred million people. That's a third of the population. Of the you know, a third to two thirds the population of the United States, or a half to two thirds. And it's a common core math for you. Um, that's a huge number. Now, not all of them will strap bombs to themselves. But they'll be, they will condone acts of violence against non-Muslims. That's what that means. So you have nearly 200, billion, or excuse me, 200 million people in the world today that are Muslim that are willing to sit by and witness, condone, help, or advocate for acts of violence against non-Muslims. That is what we are fighting. And Rick Santorum said it best from the first debate. He said, not all Muslims are jihadis. But all jihadis are Muslim. And that is something we need to keep in the foremost of our mind because that is the way we can identify these people as a group for now. People of the Islamic faith. And it's not they don't go by the name Bob. Alright? It's it, it's easier than you think to, to dime these people out. So let's start being intelligent about the way we profile these people. Let's protect our nation. That's what Donald Trump is trying to do, and that's what people don't understand. I I really don't know why we haven't figured that out yet. And you have all these hipsters, and my, unfortunately, my generation and younger, saying, well, you know, I, I really hope that... Um, you know, Trump comes around because that's just not right, and it's it's offensive and stuff like that. Good. I hope it's offensive. I really hope it's offensive because it is time for the you know to to, to defend America intelligently. You know, and all these polling places are all it's all BS. They're like, yeah, he's going down. You know, Trump's going down. You can't say that, this and that. None of these polls matter right now. What matters is protecting the American people. You know, and uh, Katrina Pearson, his spokesperson, got in a a little bit of heat over the nuclear issue. Now, look, this is a hot-button item. Ten out of ten times, people whine and complain about 
using the word nuclear. We're going to use a nuclear bomb. We're going to use a nuclear attack. Guess what? ISIS needs to be contained, and I wish we didn't have to go there, but that needs to not be off the table. If I told you three years ago that there would be a multi-thousand, you know, multi-billion dollar economy spanning three geographical countries um, with their own currency and own set of laws and, and an oil trade and all this stuff. You would, if I told you that three years ago, you would have called me crazy. So that's not going to happen. So if we had set the threshold then for what it would take, you know, what, what it would take to reach for a nuclear strike, we may be there now. So I say, look, and this is the creeping gradualism, which is generally accepted, which is irritating, at best irritating, murderous at another rate. So we need to say now to ISIS, here's the plan. Effective immediately, this is what the United States will take an action on. If you reach this benchmark, whether it be, you know, another major attack, um, taking over another geographical location, we will commit ground troops. If you do this action, which whatever it may be, we will commit to leveling a city. If you commit this action, and whatever that may be, that may be another attack on America. We will launch a nuclear strike against Raqqa. And nobody will believe it if Obama says it, but if Donald Trump says it, if Donald Trump says that, the day he gets elected, ISIS will stand down. Because their lovely dream for the caliphate will not hold up to the American might and the American military under a real leader, a real leader like Donald Trump. Because, ladies and gentlemen, these people don't want to fight him because Trump doesn't care about political correctness. He cares about protecting the American people. And he's willing to do it at any cost to other nations, other nations that wish to do harm to us. That's why. And if we're unwilling to accept that, if we're unwilling to say we have to fight this war and we have to be willing to be as ruthless as our enemy, if we're unwilling to do that, we will lose this war. And America doesn't lose wars. Folks, that's all I got, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for stopping by, renegadetalkradio.com. We'll be back again. Check us out. Go to carlhigby.com. You can catch the links there. You can also catch them on my Facebook page and Twitter. Have a good night, folks. Talk to you soon.